0: chapter eleven of cousin betty by honore de balzac translated by james waring this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary chapter eleven i keep up every appearance of respectability valerie went on laying her hand on lisbeth's as if to accept her pledge i am a married woman and my own mistress to such a degree that in the morning when marneffe sets out for the office if he takes it into his head to say good-bye and finds my door locked he goes off without a word he cares less for his boy than i care for one of the marble children that play at the feet of one of the river gods in the tuileries if i do not come home to dinner he dines quite contentedly with the maid for the maid is devoted to monsieur and he goes out every evening after dinner and does not come in till twelve or one o'clock unfortunately for a year past i have had no lady's-maid which is as much as to say that i am a widow i have had one passion once have been happy a rich brazilian who went away a year ago my only lapse he went away to sell his estates to realize his land and come back to live in france what will he find left of his valerie a dunghill well, it is his fault and not mine. Why does he delay coming so long? Perhaps he has been wrecked, like my virtue. Good-bye, my dear, said Lisbeth abruptly. We are friends forever. I love you, I esteem you, I am wholly yours. My cousin is tormenting me to go and live in the house you are moving to, in the Rue Vanneau, But I would not go, for I saw at once the reasons for this fresh piece of kindness yes you would have kept an eye on me i know said madame marneffe that was no doubt the motive of his generosity replied lisbeth in paris most beneficence is a speculation as most acts of ingratitude are revenge to a poor relation you behave as you do to rats to whom you offer a bit of bacon now i will accept the baron's offer for this house has grown intolerable to me you and i have wit enough to hold our tongues about everything that would damage us and tell all that needs telling so no blabbing and we are friends through thick and thin cried madame marneffe delighted to have a sheep-dog a confidante a sort of respectable aunt listen to me the baron is doing a great deal in the rue vano i believe you interrupted lisbeth he has spent thirty thousand francs Where he got the money, I'm sure I don't know, for Josefa the singer bled him dry. Oh, you are in luck," she went on, "'the baron would steal for a woman who held his heart in two little white satin hands like yours.' "'Well, then,' said Madame Marneffe, with the liberality of such creatures, which is mere recklessness, "'look here, my dear child, take away from here everything that may serve your turn in your new quarters that chest of drawers that wardrobe and mirror the carpet the curtains lisbeth's eyes dilated with excessive joy she was incredulous of such a gift you are doing more for me in a breath than my rich relations have done in thirty years she exclaimed they have never even asked themselves whether i had any furniture at all on his first visit a few weeks ago the baron made a rich man's face on seeing how poor i was thank you my dear and i will give you your money's worth you will see how by and by valerie went out on the landing with her cousin betty and the two women embraced how she stinks of hard work said the pretty little woman to herself when she was alone i shall not embrace you often my dear cousin at the same time i must look sharp she must be skilfully managed, for she can be of use, and help me to make my fortune. Like the true Creole of Paris, Madame Marneffe abhorred trouble. She had the calm indifference of a cat, which never jumps or runs, but when urged by necessity. To her, life must be all pleasure, and the pleasure without difficulties. She loved flowers, provided they were brought to her she could not imagine going to the play but to a good box at her own command and in a carriage to take her there valerie inherited these courtesan tastes from her mother on whom general montcornet had lavished luxury when he was in paris and who for twenty years had seen all the world at her feet who had been wasteful and prodigal squandering her all in the luxurious living of which the programme has been lost since the fall of napoleon The grandees of the empire were a match in their follies for the great nobles of the last century. Under the restoration the nobility cannot forget that it has been beaten and robbed, and so, with two or three exceptions, it has become thrifty, prudent, and stay-at-home, in short, bourgeois and penurious. Since then, 1830 has crowned the work of 1793 in france henceforth there will be great names but no great houses unless there should be political changes which we can hardly foresee everything takes the stamp of individuality the wisest invest in annuities family pride is destroyed the bitter pressure of poverty which had stung valerie to the quick on the day when to use marneffe's expression she had caught on with hulot had brought the young woman to the conclusion that she would make a fortune by means of her good looks so for some days she had been feeling the need of having a friend about her to take the place of a mother a devoted friend to whom such things may be told as must be hidden from a waiting-maid and who could act come and go and think for her a beast of burden resigned to an unequal share of life Now she, quite as keenly as Lisbeth, had understood the baron's motives for fostering the intimacy between his cousin and herself. Prompted by the formidable perspicacity of the Parisian half-breed, who spends her days stretched on a sofa, turning the lantern of her detective spirit on the obscurest depths of souls, sentiments, and intrigues, she had decided on making an ally of the spy this supremely rash step was perhaps premeditated she had discerned the true nature of this ardent creature burning with wasted passion and meant to attach her to herself thus their conversation was like the stone a traveller casts into an abyss to demonstrate its depth and madame marneffe had been terrified to find this old maid A combination of iago and richard the third so feeble as she seemed so humble and so little to be feared for that instant lisbeth fisher had been her real self that corsican and savage temperament bursting the slender bonds that held it under had sprung up to its terrible height as the branch of a tree flies up from the hand of a child that has bent it down to gather the green fruit to those who study the social world it must always be a matter of astonishment to see the fullness, the perfection and the rapidity with which an idea develops in a virgin nature virginity like every other monstrosity has its special richness its absorbing greatness life whose forces are always economized assumes in the virgin creature an incalculable power of resistance and endurance the brain is reinforced in the sum total of its reserved energy. When really chaste natures need to call on the resources of body or soul, and are required to act or to think, they have muscles of steel, or intuitive knowledge in their intelligence, diabolical strength, or the black magic of the will. From this point of view, the Virgin Mary, even if we regard her only as a symbol, is supremely great above every other type, whether Hindu, Egyptian, or Greek. Virginity, the mother of great things, magna parens rerum, holds in her fair white hands the keys of the upper worlds. In short, that grand and terrible exception deserves all the honors decreed to her by the Catholic Church. Thus, in one moment, lisbeth fischer had become the mohican whose snares none can escape whose dissimulation is inscrutable whose swift decisiveness is the outcome of the incredible perfection of every organ of sense she was hatred and revenge as implacable as they are in italy spain and the east these two feelings the obverse of friendship and love carried to the utmost are known only in lands scorched by the sun. But Lisbeth was also a daughter of Lorraine, bent on deceit. She accepted this detail of her part against her will. She began by making a curious attempt, due to her ignorance. She fancied, as children do, that being imprisoned meant the same thing as solitary confinement but this is the superlative degree of imprisonment and that superlative is the privilege of the criminal bench as soon as she left madame marneffe lisbeth hurried off to monsieur rivet and found him in his office well my dear monsieur rivet she began when she had bolted the door of the room you were quite right those poles they are low villains all alike men who know neither law nor fidelity and who want to set europe on fire said the peaceable rivet to ruin every trade and every trader for the sake of a country that is all bogland they say and full of horrible jews to say nothing of the cossacks and the peasants a sort of wild beasts classed by mistake with human beings your poles do not understand the times we live in we are no longer barbarians war is coming to an end my dear mademoiselle it went out with the monarchy this is the age of triumph for commerce and industry and middle class prudence such as were the making of holland yes he went on with animation we live in a period when nations must obtain all they need by the legal extension of their liberties and by the pacific action of constitutional institutions that is what the poles do not see and i hope you were saying my dear he added interrupting himself when he saw from his workwoman's face that high politics were beyond her comprehension here is the schedule said lisbeth if i don't want to lose my three thousand two hundred and ten francs i must clap this rogue into prison didn't i tell you so cried the oracle of the saint-denis quarter the rivets successor to pons brothers had kept their shop still in the rue des mauvaises paroles in the ancient Hotel langeais built by that illustrious family at the time when the nobility still gathered round the louvre yes and i blessed you on my way here replied lisbeth if he suspects nothing he can be safe in prison by eight o'clock in the morning said rivet consulting the almanac to ascertain the hour of sunrise but not till the day after to-morrow for he cannot be imprisoned till he has had notice that he is to be arrested by writ with the option of payment or imprisonment and so what an idiotic law exclaimed lisbeth of course the debtor escapes he has every right to do so said the assessor smiling so this is the way as to that said lisbeth interrupting him I will take the paper and hand it to him saying that i have been obliged to raise the money and that the lender insists on this formality i know my gentleman he will not even look at the paper he will light his pipe with it not a bad idea not bad mademoiselle fisher well make your mind easy the job shall be done but stop a minute to put your man in prison is not the only point to be considered You only want to indulge in that legal luxury in order to get your money. Who is to pay you? Those who give him money. To be sure, I forgot that the Minister of War had commissioned him to erect a monument to one of our late customers. Ah, the house has supplied many a uniform to General Montcornet. He soon blackened them with the smoke of cannon. A brave man he was, and he paid on the nail a marshal of france may have saved the emperor or his country he paid on the nail will always be the highest praise he can have from a tradesman very well and on saturday monsieur rivet you shall have the flat tassels by the way i am moving from the rue de doyenneh i am going to live in the rue Vanneau. you are very right i could not bear to see you in that hole which in spite of my aversion to the opposition i must say is a disgrace i repeat it yes is a disgrace to the Louvre and the place du carrousel i am devoted to louis-philippe he is my idol he is the august and exact representative of the class on whom he founded his dynasty and i can never forget what he did for the trimming makers by restoring the national guard when i hear you speak so monsieur rivet i cannot help wondering why you are not made a deputy they are afraid of my attachment to the dynasty replied Rivet. My political enemies are the King's. He has a noble character. They are a fine family. In short, he said, returning to the charge, he is our ideal—morality, economy, everything. But the completion of the Louvre is one of the conditions on which we gave him the crown, and the civil list, which I admit had no limits set to it, leaves the heart of Paris in a most melancholy state it is because i am so strongly in favour of the middle course that i should like to see the middle of paris in a better condition your part of the town is positively terrifying you would have been murdered there one fine day and so your monsieur crevel has been made major of his division he will come to us i hope for his big epaulette i am dining with him to-night and will send him to you Lisbeth believed that she had secured her livonian to herself by cutting him off from all communication with the outer world if he could no longer work the artist would be forgotten as completely as a man buried in a cellar where she alone would go to see him thus she had two happy days for she hoped to deal a mortal blow at the baroness and her daughter to go to crevel's house in the rue de Saussure, she crossed the pont du carrousel went along the quai voltaire the quai d'orsay the rue bellechasse rue de l'université the pont de la concorde and the avenue de marigny this illogical route was traced by the logic of passion always the foe of the legs cousin betty as long as she followed the line of the quays, kept watch on the opposite shore of the seine walking very slowly she had guessed rightly she had left wenceslas dressing she at once understood that as soon as he should be rid of her the lover would go off to the baroness's by the shortest road and in fact as she wandered along by the parapet of the quai voltaire in fancy suppressing the river and walking along the opposite bank she recognized the artist as he came out of the tuileries to cross the pont royal she there came up with the faithless one and could follow him unseen for lovers rarely look behind them she escorted him as far as madame hulot's house where he went in like an accustomed visitor this crowning proof confirming madame marneffe's revelations put lisbeth quite beside herself she arrived at the newly promoted major's door in the state of mental irritation which prompts men to commit murder and found m crevel senior in his drawing-room awaiting his children Monsieur and Madame hulot junior but celestin crevel was so unconscious and so perfect a type of the parisian parvenu that we can scarcely venture so unceremoniously into the presence of Cesar birotteau's successor celestin crevel was a world in himself and he even more than rivet deserves the honors of the palate by reason of his importance in this domestic drama. End of chapter 11